that's also a thing I should do. Maybe I should type audacity instead of audace. Audace. You're quite audace. Mm-hmm. It's quite a word. I'm going to keep that one. I hope so. To make the air good night soundboard. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I'll just have enough of it. I don't even need you anymore. I can just play the the, the clips of you saying. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll uh, we'll me and Matt will build a robot, uh, and we'll use my voice. It'll completely take the place of me, and then I'll retire. <laughs> or it will kill you. Probably both. That's what that means. I think. Oh, okay. Where the hell is the music? There it be. Ready? Hmm. Sure. Look up there in the sky. It's a bird, a plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One artist. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. Totally. Yeah, I'm just, I was trying to be pleasant. I was a pleasant intro. Mm, it, it felt very dramatic to me. Did it? A lot of pauses. Well. Annunciation. Just trying to be clear. Clarity's dramatic. Is it? I guess. Eric, how you doing? Well. You got you got enough meat yesterday? Did you? I got enough. I guess I did. <laughs> We're gonna talk <laughs> about that later. Handsome, mm-hmm. how you guys, how's you guys how you guys doing out there? <laughs> well now they're just writhing in agony because they want to know what that means. They'll I'll have to out. find out. This patience. I'll have to find out. Patience is a virtue, as my dear mother tells me all the time. Well, there you go. There you go. Completeness is a virtue. That's what Neil Gaiman taught me. Hmm. That's, the less we talk about Neil Gaiman, it's probably the better. We never we never uh, decided what he's going to name his uh, his what new is- baby. Yeah, okay. I've, this is a flash decision. I want you guys to tell us what Neil Gaiman... <laughs> He's going to name his baby. His Neil, Amanda Palmer baby. His Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer, their baby. They've announced that they're expecting. Uh, I'm, we're going to hold the, hold our, our comments on the couple, but congratulations to, uh, Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer. But we want to know, we want to know what they're going to name their baby because we know it's probably not going to be a normal name. Mm-hmm. What do you got? So what do you, All- what is your bet, Eric? I want to hear your bet. Well, honestly, most of Neil Gaiman's existing children, because he has many, uh, have fairly normal names. But are they with Amanda Palmer? They are not with Amanda Palmer. Okay. I'm thinking this is going to throw a monkey wrench into the thing. It's my thought process as well. Yes. Okay, I need a boy name and a girl name. Go. Morpheus and Death. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go Percy and Enid. Those are good. But... Handsome Minds. Percy uh, is, of course, short for Perseus, right? Yes, exactly. Precisely. Yes. And Enid is short for coleslaw, right? Precisely. Short for coleslaw. 
I think if if Neil Gaiman's naming his uh, a daughter after Daniel Klaus characters, I don't know. I would be surprised. I'm just throwing it out there. But handsome, I want to hear. We want to hear from you guys. We want to send us your ideas. If you are right, if you nail it on the head, we will give you something like a comic, probably. Or Sandman. We give you Sandman Volume One. How about that? You just came up with that right now. I did. <laughs> This was not planned. It was not. <laughs> Sandman Volume One. Spontaneous if get, contest. If you nail it, if you nail it on the head, but there, I don't know how long, how far in the future it is. There, it's expected, but uh, this is Ant Man trade paperback number one, and yes, not, not like the actual, an actual first print. <laughs> no, just the first volume by <laughs> signed by Neil Gaiman and Jesus Christ. No, just the first volume trade available at any fine retailer. There you go. There you go. But uh, a 1995 value challenge. Challenge laid down. Please send him in. Mm-hmm. I would name my son Perseus. It's not a bad name, honestly. I would. I, I would. I would name a, a, a son after Greek heroes. I like that. Heracles. There's uh still the uh story of this the uh was he Scottish? That's the statistician we uh, went out to dinner with with the arcade with Scottish. Irish. Irish you're ta- statistician. You're talking, to, you're talking to someone in the room with you. I am my f- my fiance, soon to be wife. Very soon. Yes, we met an Irishman, a statistician. <laughs> through, I met him through her at, at a conference, and she's uh, well. She's she's likely to know statisticians. She is, and his his children's names are Odin and Freya. Those are also good names those for are, for children. Those are good names. I agree. And they had a, he had a little stuffed dog named Jellybean. That is less likely to be, you know, uh, Norse canon there. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's no, it was a very cute uh, thing. He this did has been an, this has been a very interesting uh, uh, dicking around session. <laughs> it has been. I it went yeah. places I was not expecting. But that's the beauty so of if it. If you if you typically skip uh the initial section of dicking around you just missed the contest you did you missed the contest so now you got to rewind go back yep, now you know about it and yep that's the sound it makes that was a very good impression <laughs> thank you i'm great they probably thought they were rewinding already <laughs> i i think with that this podcast on cassette tape <laughs> yep <laughs> with that i think i think we can move on to our first segment of the week it is time once again for weekly floppies Where's the sound? <laughs> Weekly Floppies is the part of the show where Eric and I will review a selection of the week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them, because uh, we're smart guys, right? I know I am. Okay. Well, I know I am, so I guess we're in agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, first book of the week is Batgirl, number 40. Uh, see, written by Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher, art by Babs Tarr, Cameron Stewart with breakdowns, Maris Wicks colors, Jerry K. Fletcher doing letters. Uh, before I guess we get into the actual comic, I guess it bears mentioning the uproar about DC pulling a certain cover. Uh, that was for this book, then, huh? I believe yes, it was. I don't know. If, I think it was this issue. It was back. It probably. It probably was. I mean, if it was supposed to come out this week, clearly had to be for this. Do you know if they had anything printed? I don't know. No. It's fine. I'm trying to figure out what issue it is. Research probably would help, right? Yeah. 
being prepared, thinking. <laughs> it's actually would be the next. Stuff. It would be the next issue. Batgirl forty one. Now that would be the next issue. We are reviewing forty this week. Uh, covered by Raphael Abercrombie, which we've reviewed some of his work before. Uh, a lot of it on Animal Man. Animal Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the he, guy. He's the guy. He uh, requested it be pulled after there was concerns about the safety of those who complained about it, not his safety, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a classy thing. Um, it, if you haven't seen the cover, it is homage to the Killing Joke, of the famous Batman comic with, uh, with the one where Barbara Gordon is shot and paralyzed. It, which uh, kind of set the stage for a lot of modern Batman stories. Although Alan Moore, who wrote it, never really intended it to be a canon story. Like, he, it was like an end story. Um, but it's also implied that she's raped in that story, you know, and not the fact that she's also paralyzed. And this cover has her crying in the clutches of the Joker, him holding a revolver. I, I, frankly, I, I'm all for artistic, uh, you know, purity and stuff, but it, I'm not, the cover is fine as a creepy cover, but if it was a Joker, if this, comic was about like her fighting the joker i would that'd be fine but this comic is so not about that it's it is, uh well i mean it's 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 because of the joker's anniversary is the only is the you know yes precisely did it yeah but I, I mean i agree with you you're i mean as a rule you're against bullshit covers yes i am this would it, this would fall squarely into bullshit cover territory it would so there's no joker in this book he's not putting blood on her face he doesn't have a gun he's not in the dark he's bullshit not in this book bullshit this cover. covers bullshit fuck you albuquerque pull the cover no i i i, I there's such people so are like they get upset when people get offended by things yes well, I, yes it's so i don't just let people well, be offended sometimes. It's okay. People are unclear about what they should back down on and whatnot. I mean, they're they're dopey old people. I mean, I think Albuquerque did do the classy thing, as you said, um, because the controversy was that people were threatening online the people that were complaining about it. It's legitimate to complain about it. It's legitimate to be offended by it. Um I think to demand something as innocuous as this cover to be taken down because it is not outrageously grim, dark, or sexist, really. Um, to, to demand it being not printed is kind of, you know, outrageous, but uh, I, I don't know. He's a good guy for letting this go down as, as, uh, gentlemanly as it did. Yeah. And I, frankly, I don't see the point of this when DC has just went in this whole direction of like, Hey, when we relaunch, we're going to be like more friendly to female fans and, you know, more inclusive and stuff like that. And then suddenly they have this for a, a one of their comics that is leading that wave. If you want to call it that mm. having this cover, it seems very tone deaf, like put it on. Eh, yeah. I don't, I, it, it's like, and most people pointed out, like, this is probably just, like, the left hand not talking to the other, to the right. You know, they're DC parts of DC don't talk to each other, probably. People who no. prove covers aren't thinking about books. They're just going, oh, that's fine. That's good. It looks good. But I don't know. <sighs> it's just the cover, guys. It's okay if there's one less cover in the world. There are f- there's going to be a billion yeah. Joker variant covers. You need some more Joker in your life? There's a lot of them. And don't we all? <laughs> I honestly really don't. Uh, so, Eric, comic book. Hey. Hey, Batgirl number 40. 
This uh, is a comic book. It good, is a comic good observation. Book. I'm smart. I liked it. It was good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, like always. Mm-hmm. Babs, Babstar art is great. Uh, the ending is kind of a cobble pot of multiple kind of science fictiony ideas and superhero-y stuff. Uh, it's not necessarily. Uh, right. I would say it's not like original, but its execution is very sound. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it, it maintains the tone, I think, of this book and that it, you know, is a earnest superhero thing. And I approve. I do just want to say, um, I'm very proud of Cameron Stewart for learning the word algorithm. <laughs> he needs to understand what the fuck a computer does because this is dumb. <laughs> well, this is still dumb. It is. I mean, yeah. Hashtag Thunderbolt all the way. This, I for me, this went past. It went like so dumb. Oh, it's, 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 okay. it's dumber. It went dumber, and that therefore I approve. Like if mm-hmm. you're gonna do this, you have to be just be dumb. Like just embrace yes. it. Brace the dumb. And when Batgirl is talking to a computer, like a giant HD screen at a concert, <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's how far you need to go. Just go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's Saturday morning cartoon level of uh, understanding of things. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. I liked it. It, 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 came- it, it's, it's, it's a blast, honestly. And I think that's what's really important. Oh, good. Hi, Danger. <laughs> Got a podcat, podcat appearance. Yeah, uh, I get to see cat button in the, in the uh, monitor in, there. It's good. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, I thank you. But uh I this is this is closing out the first arc of this team. I say it's been very successful. Uh it's met all my expectations and exceeded uh, and exceeded some of them as well. Uh, I'm a buy. I'm a buy in this, I'm buying the whole thing. Yeah, I uh I look forward to reading or well, buying it again in a collected format. <laughs> One of the few DC books that I follow, and as long as this team is on it, we'll continue to follow. As long as Babs Tar is mm-hmm. working on this, I will, I will, I will continue to read and likely enjoy this book. Should we talk about how I spied Betty Felon in this book, and Babs sort of confirmed it on Twitter? Yeah, I saw your interaction. Mm-hmm. You're, you're That's tweeting. how things work. Yeah, tweeting, tweeting. No, that it. You're right, though, and her it's, confirmation, looks just, yeah, looks just. I mean, and the the dude that she's next to is the dude from her Instagram. I'm not going to make assumptions, mm-hmm. but is the 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 person made famous by Betty Felon's Instagram? Um, but double buy, Batgirl number forty. If you're not buying it, go buy it. It's great. It's fun. No Joker in this. No bullshit covers. No bullshit covers. Are. Next book of the week is Strange Sports Stories by DC Vertigo, number one. An odd inclusion. I was just looking at the DC books and nothing was grabbing at me. Then I saw this. I was like, wow, that looks weird. Let's read it. I'm I, glad you put it in here. Yeah. It's, it's wacky. It's wacky and fun. I really enjoyed it. It's it's four stories uh, written and drawn by multiple different people, lots of different, all different teams, uh, vastly different in tone. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, all about quote unquote sports, but they're all, some of them are tangentially about sports. Uh, yeah, but fair amount of them are about death sports, death sports. I mean, fair amount of them. I, I really like that dodgeball death sport game, that story. That's a lot of fun. And the yeah. hockey one, I mean, hockey most, mostly too. this yeah. book was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. 
Um, we have the first one, which is I think Gilbert Hernandez. Yeah, which is one of the the brothers Hernandez. Yeah, and it's very strange about, but mm-hmm. it's it's weird and but it's funny. I liked it just in its weirdness. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. But then we have a, multiple death sports. Uh, one with dodgeball in space, and then uh, hockey on it, some alien planet. I'm assuming, although it's hard to say. Who knows? And then the last one is uh, about a baseball game in the end of the world. Yeah, in, in Cuba. That's but, uh, they do like baseball in Cuba. Yeah, but I was I was not ex- I don't know what I was I don't know if I I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't know what to expect. It's a very strange idea for a. This is the first of four of these collections, I guess you want to call them. Um, but I, I enjoyed each and every story in different ways. I I, I don't, is there anything you want to note in particular about any of them, Eric? No, nothing. Um, (laughs) other than two of them basically being the different in tone, but the same thing because they're about death sports, just a little too close to the, the mark there. I, Um, I would, I would think you would separate them. Like make yes. them. That's a, that's I think more of an editorial thing. I would have put them separated them a little bit more than just having them literally next to each other. Maybe uh, you want to end with the positive one with uh, oh the world's ending, but oh well, play baseball. ball, y'all. Yeah. Uh, but I still really enjoyed them. I like them. I I like the dodgeball one. I do like I like even if they're next to each other. Death sports are I'm usually mm-hmm. a fan of weird futuristic death sports. But uh, the arts, all of it's good. It's very a lot of it's different from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the all the writing is actually I, really tight too, and for short stories, I will say no. The writing's not bad at all. I will say that this cover mm-hmm. by Paul Pope kind of phoned in. Paul Pope, a little disappointed. Well, the, yeah, the not enough background stuff. It's just a little Empty. like that text at the top. Mm-hmm. No composition. Just a figure, not really all that amazing. But, you know, they can't all be winners. I won't hold it against Pope too much. It's, the guy looks cool. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's not much else around. Did you see that a CM Punk is apparently credited on this? I think he's going to be contributing to a future story. Is he actually in this? Where are I you seeing the name? It, but I'm, I'm seeing it on the Comixology page. Yeah, I think he's the... going to be... He's contributing to a future, uh, future issue, a future issue, whatever this collection is. Strange sports stories. There's going to be three more of them, so I think he's contributing to that. He's he's uh had written a story in the Thor annual not like two weeks ago, so huh? He's dipping his toes into comic books. That sounds gross. <laughs> I'm a buy. Strange sports stories number one. Yeah, you buy this. <laughs> it's a fun, wacky kind of weird thing. We really shouldn't encourage Paul Pope to draw things badly, though. I think he'll do whatever he wants. He needs to do good things because he's amazing. He, he needs to continue does. to amaze me. He needs to? Yeah. He needs your approval? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. Jesus. All right. Okay. Next up, our indie book of the week, Chrononauts, number one. Writer and co-creator Mark Millar, Sean Gordon Murphy, artist and co-creator Matt Hollingsworth on colors, Chris the Greek Alopolis doing letters. Chris the Greek. With variant covers by a billion people. Not a billion. Naturally. There's a lot of them, though. Mm. Um, Time travel. Adventure. Yeah, this book is awesome. Yeah, it's good. 
I Sean, like what a douchebag like uh, the blonde guy is. Yes, he is. He's huge, cocky Johnny Storm douchebag. Yep, it's really good. He's. I like how they filmed the Civil War. Yep, they're like here it is, and the satellite crashed in the 1900s in the ocean, 1901 or something. You have to go get it. But yeah, it sets the stage really well. It gives you the premise of the book, gives you adventure, gives you a hook at the end. It's gorgeous. Mm, it's really beautiful artwork. Have we ever followed anything by the Sean Gordon Murphy? Oh uh, yeah, we read uh, issue two, of The Wake. I was he, gonna say it looks just like The Wake. That and, a, and he did a story in the bat, one of the Batman uh, anthologies, the one with the Mecha Batman. Ah, I think and uh, like future bat is like future Batman and Batman always existing kind of thing. Remember that? I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that story. It was Snyder and Snyder and I, Murphy. I do vaguely. I don't have any like super clear uh recollection of it but you know some here and there vague ideas and then we had a uh, tommy tommy lee jones pulling a gun yeah he's on, just like tommy lee jones on uh on johnny storm there yes no, johnny lee storm johnny lee storm yeah that's there that's when they uh inevitably form a bromance that's their uh shipping mm-hmm. their shipping name you like that? No, not as it. much as you might think. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, it's really exciting, and the fact that this could do a lot of different things and just be a fun time. It's very light and loose, and I, I'm on board. I'm on board with this. It looks great. No, yeah. ab- absolutely. This is a dynamite book. Very tight storytelling. Very fun. Really efficient. It tells a lot of story in a relatively short amount of time yeah you got a lot of it's very dense even in the layouts and in in the in the in the art it's it it communicates a lot of character that isn't in Mm -hmm. the text yes yeah just in the posing and the in the faces and stuff it's really great uh so buy good lord yeah you have to buy this book yeah, it's uh, it's, I think it's already been optioned for a movie. <laughs> which <I'm... laughs> Mark Millar. It's all he just writes comics, and then they become movies. So double buy, Chrononauts number one. Next up, I should have downloaded all these books before we did this. <laughs> How did you read them? I didn't read them all. What? No, 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 not the uh, not this week's books. The uh, other books I bought. Oh, and the, it's in, slowing your thing down. Well, the Humble Bundle, there's like literally yes. 30, 30 issues of comics. They're all number one. Yes, I, 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 right, of course. So now they're everywhere. Um, Next up, Marvel Books, Moon Knight, number 13. This is the uh, first of the, the Colin Bunn uh, run. He's going to go on for an arc. Uh, Colin Bunn on, write, on, on writing. Colin Bunn writer, <laughs> Ron Atkins, pencils, Tom Palmer with Walden Wong and Victor Alazaba on inks. Dan Brown taking a break from the Da Vinci Code to do colors. And Travis Lanham on letters. Uh, this is continuing. I mean, this is kind of what, I guess this is what this book is. Is they're going to just have a creative team work on it for, like, have an interesting team work on it for a week. Uh, for a week. For an arc. And then, and then, uh. Couldn't get a lot of comic done in a week. No, not much. Like four pages, maybe. Um, uh, this is in while uh, Brian Wood kind of went straight more towards like the criminal Jason Boren kind of terrorism spy kind of aspect, mercenary aspect of this. This is taking it straight back to Moon Knight and ghosts. 
And as we know, Ghost Nux is really where it's at. I, I am hoping, I'm so hopeful that Ghost Nux makes a reappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the guy, is, the guy had anti-ghost nucks. He did have anti-ghost nucks, which are powered by yellow fluids. Yes, as you do. As you do. But yeah, he's, uh, this, this is, uh, watching Spectre tackle, uh, anti-ghost guys, bad ghost guys. Mm-hmm. Ghost, they're, they're like evil, evil ghostbusters. ghostbusters. Evil ghostbusters. Yep. And he's like, stop being so evil ghostbusters. Uh, I liked it. It was fun. Oh, this is, this is easily my favorite Moon Knight. Since um, Ellis, the Ellis team left the book, right? It is uh, dynamite. I love this, and as you know, I am I'm developing a man crush on Colin Bunn. He's he's tremendous. Yeah, I I'm this story is very fun. Uh, mm. Don't shove. Uh, I, I guess don't eat ghosts. Don't don't put ghost balls in your mouth. Don't put ghost balls in your mouth. Bad things happen if you do that. Yep. Yep. You puke green slime and then yep. you get kicked in the face by moon knight <laughs> <laughs> but this is a uh, it's very good it's very interesting uh i like the art there's a little bit a couple rough patches in it i, I would say but i overall i still think i, I like it i enjoy it um i'm a buy mm. no clearly absolutely i don't really have too much of a problem with your your rough patches in the art i think that it's it's a little naive in certain points, but it reminds me maybe of like a Charles Vess, but a little bit more energetic and comic booky. I I really enjoy it, even the parts where it's um you know maybe not as tight or I wouldn't call it weaker. It just sort of is charming to me. It's it is certainly not a low point in this book for me. No, I still like it a lot. It's, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, double buy. We did number thirteen. Uh, I'm. I don't. I don't think Brian Woods. Any of his stuff was bad. I. I just. I think I like this more when it's tackling that supernatural stuff. Mm. It. I feels, it's more interesting. Yeah, it feels more at home. I guess this character feels more at home in that. But I'm looking forward to see where this goes. Lastly, I'll take three years to find where this book is in my array of independent comic books I bought. But uh, Silk number two. Written by Robbie Thompson, art by Stacy Lee, Ian Herring on colors, Travis Lanham on letters. Uh, very charming. This book in series is very charming and really fun. Mm-hmm. And another one of these, you know, new female-led superhero books that are really good. I really, I think I like this one more than the first one. It, it's it's adorable. She's punching skull Nazi robots. <laughs> yeah. It, it, <laughs> It's hard to. It seems. It feels like nothing happens in the book, but I am very much glad that both I read it and that it exists. This is a this is a super cute book, and I'm glad that it's. Uh, I, I'm glad that it's continuing. I hope it does really, really well. Uh, yeah, it's hard for me not to like a, the the female Spider-Man. But I I don't. She's more interesting than mm. than any of these. You know, this quote unquote Spider-Man. Like this in Miss Marvel, like are are kind of it's 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 fun how they've taken that like that Peter Parker based story of like the strange awkward teen who's gotten powers and then put like strange twists on them, interesting twists that make them com- very compelling. What's well, they've not really even made a twist on it at all. Well, I mean that was what made Spider Man compelling 
when Spider-Man came out, something that people could relate to and you saw the vulnerability and this is just actually creating something new <laughs> with that <laughs> same formula. So it's, it's new, but it ain't. Yeah. Hey, it still works. People still relate to it. You can create new properties and actually reinvent the old one and not give us the same story over and over again. <laughs> I'm and uh, the art is really great. I I I don't I don't think I mentioned it, but Stacy Lee's art. No, it, you know it, it it almost doesn't even feel like a comic book comic book. It feels like a web comic about a superhero, particularly this ending. Just yeah. feels like the gag of a web comic ending. I was and I was actually really enjoyed that the fact that the book starts like that and ends like that. It's really yes. really good. It's fun storytelling. It's not like it's super complicated or anything, but just making it simple, like here's the tag at the beginning and call back to the, at the end. Like it's mm -hmm. it's fun. Believe they call that a motif. Oh Yeah. Look at the big brain on Eric. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yep. 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 Uh, I'm a buy. Episode number two. Uh, this is a, it's a fun book. All these, uh, all buys this week, Eric. I know the world is wonderful. <laughs> it's a bright, happy, shiny place. So silk number two, double buy. Did you happen to read anything else that you'd like to mention? Let me look. Um, I have not, uh, I did not pick up anything else. I did read. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number three, because how could I not? I did, too, as well. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> it really is pretty good. It's so... Uh, I know I know. one of the local gals from the comic book store was talking about how much she loved the Guri Hiru um, alternate cover, variant cover, forgive me for using a slightly wrong word, um, do you, have I, have I blabbered to you about how much I love Guri Hiru? Yeah, you have. You've mentioned it in the past. And I overheard you at yeah. the comic book store. I don't even. Oh, yeah, because I was talking to AJ from same comic book store uh, about that that cover. Yeah, Guri Hero of uh, the Avatar The Last Airbender comic fame. Also, Power Pack for uh, Marvel. His Power Pack is really cute. It's some of the earlier stuff he's done for, I say he, it's two guys. It's a team. Guri Hero is like a studio name. But there's a squirrel golem in this comic, in Unbeatable Squirrel Golem number three. That's pretty horrifying. It, it, I thought it, it was both cute and terrifying at the same time. Mostly terrifying. <laughs> I think like a, a, a walking, writhing, like, pile of squirrels. Mm-hmm. Pretty terrifying. It's like a rat king. It is, sort of. But squirrels have, to, squirrels have the tails. They're cute. Rats have tails. That's what a rat king is. It's their tails getting ta tangled. I know, together. but they don't have fluffy tails. It's just because it's fluffy doesn't mean it's not horrifying. Yep, that's it. Changes it. Cute now. So you think if uh, if Cthulhu uh, was a little bit fluffier, he would be less horrifying, less less to, less likely to drive you to madness. Yep. You heard it here, folks. Yep, that's all it takes. So that if there's uh, th three letters. Y e p. Mm hmm. Don't think I read anything else. I didn't either. Still have a lot other, of things to read. Other, I need other, to. other than Preacher. Yeah, we did read Preacher. <laughs> we read our book club assignment for this week. Our assignment. We both got A's. Yes, we did. We well, always, maybe oh, oh. you you be the judge. We're not there yet. 
good point. Uh, but with that, <laughs> we can, uh, we can, we can, uh, we can zip up the tent on weekly floppies. The tent, it's out, it's out in the, in the back 40. We go into the tent when we start reading, the, when we start talking about the books, and then we leave it and zip it closed. All I can think of is the Mitch Hedberg bit when he talks about you can't slam a tent door if you're angry. Yeah. Zip. You zip it up fast, but like, zip, fuck you. <laughs> uh, okay. So next up, it's time to talk about all things nerdy, sort of. I guess, uh, yeah, I'm not, I, we were fooling nobody. It's time for checking in. <laughs> Checking in is part of the show, and Eric, I will check in with things we've been doing this week. Uh, generally nerdy things. Make your recommendations, etc., etc. Party! I was going to say that, but... Okay, well, there you go. I, I yeah. was going to say something, and oh. you screamed at me. I'm sorry. Say something, Eric. Well, you, you've taken care of it. Okay. I was going to say, we don't, I don't think we have a separate thing to check in with. I have one thing I can talk about that I did this What's week. That? It is a, a book that I've... Okay. Uh, that I've read many times, and I listened to the audiobook mm-hmm. for the first time, is The Long Walk by Stephen King. Ah, uh, you are a big Stephen King fan. I'm, I am. I was even more of one when I was a teenager and a young adult, a young adult, I guess, and early 20s, I suppose. I was, I loved Stephen King. I poured over through all his books, but Long Walk was a long time, was my favorite book. Um, it is, Tying into a theme, uh, sort of a death sport uh, book. Uh, it is about a contest. For those of you looking at uh, listening at home, that is the motif of this uh, this podcast. Death sports. And uh, at the end of this, me and Robbie are going to duel with chainsaws. To each. In an, in an arena, obviously. With Slayer playing. Yeah. Couldn't get you to play Slayer this weekend. Well, I had a headache. Well, Long Walk, uh, have you, you have not read it, Eric. This is, is this the book that is, uh, similar to the Hunger Games, but predates it like crazy? Uh, it's sort of similar. I mean, I'm not gonna call it, I mean, it's laid out differently, but I mean, it is a death sport in a post, like a, you know, the, a dystopian future where the government is, you know, Big Brother and they, they parade children out in a contest of death to, to the death. And whoever wins, There's more yeah. than a few similarities is really, yeah. it is the book that we have discussed possibly even on this podcast. Um, but certainly in conversation recorded or not at some point in our life. Yeah. It's a uh, long walk is there's a hundred kids, two from each state. I know. Is it? Yeah. It's a hundred kids, two from each state. Just and like senators. Just like senators. Although that doesn't make, it doesn't necessarily make sense because they never actually talk about multiple people from but they do separate them by state i don't know how they, they don't ever lay it out but there's a hundred kids and they separate them by state and they have to walk they start at the tip top tip top of maine and just walk south you have to stay above four miles an hour there's lots of other rules but nec- generally you slow down too many times you get shot last kid alive gets whatever he wants the rest of his life so that's the gimmick but you know it's uh kind of teen teen hunger games kind of thing done a couple decades beforehand and uh i frankly have done better i've read both this is <laughs> long walks a better book it's it tackles more interesting things more ex- it's more certainly more existential less about should i date this guy that it's in the death games with me that's my katniss by the way 
you guys were curious. It was very, it was very catty. <laughs> yeah, that's my Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, yeah. not really, but Good uh, expert on cats. I not just not that cat for real. Um, eh. yeah, but it's a. I really enjoy it. It's probably not my favorite book anymore. It's probably not even my. It, this is it's one of the Bachman books that Stephen King wrote under a pseudonym. There's a four of them published under a pseudonym. I guess he got bored, so he's like, "I'm gonna publish things under a different name." And then they got republished in the '90s, and that's how I found them. But uh, Running Man was originally a Bachman book, which is probably the other really great one. This is this. These two are the ones I'd recommend above all the other Bachman books. Uh, they're both. They are both about dystopian death sports. Crazy. I mentioned earlier I like them, so there you go. But What's your chainsaw's name? Rev. Rev. Yep. It's the the Rev. Rev and Robbie. <laughs> Mine's Charlene. All right. I'm gonna forget who Charlene is. Who's Charlene? I don't know. Who's Charlene? <laughs> it's my chainsaw. Oh, your chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's lost. It's fine. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to uh you want me to tell you one thing I can check in with before we talk about other things that are things? Sure. Um let me find the exact title of this. Because uh I am obsessed with this robot software mm-hmm. and a thing called chat ops now. I uh, am I'm I bought a couple of books. Ten dollars <laughs> for a set of three. Um books on a thing called Node.js, um, which is a very interesting software that uh, allows you to, you know, host web pages and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it's kind of like Python uh, in that it has like a virtual machine and a, like a runtime environment. Um, you can like write code in a text file and it will execute it for you. Um, but it is with JavaScript. That's the interesting thing about it. And the book that I got is the Node Beginner book to try and make myself less dumb about it. I also have two other books, one by the same author. Let me find his crazy name real quick. I have it open. And Vivaldi. Manuel Kiesling, or Manuel, however you pronounce that, those words. He's apparently German. Uh, and... I have the Node Beginner book, which I am reading, the Node Craftsman book, which will be next, and I have another one, Hands-On Node.js. You're staring blankly. I'm every, it's just zooming by the top of my head. Yes, just rocketing by. I, you may have noticed I posted on Facebook um, when I was trying to figure out some things using Node and... Uh, coffee script, which is somehow a souped up version of JavaScript. I don't know. Um, but I was trying to figure out some things on with my robot and posted for help on Facebook. And the only reply was my friend Gary, who posted a picture of a guy wearing a t-shirt that said, speak English. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot of responses exactly like your own. So that's fine. <laughs> Anyway, this book is is pretty good so far. Uh, it does not mince about, and it doesn't particularly it doesn't overly complicate things, but it it gives you a lot of very good inter- interesting information, and then dives right into here's how to do X, Y, and Z. So I I, I recommend it. I got it on LeanPub.com. 
based entirely on a Google search. It was the first thing I saw, and I was like, well, $10, why the hell not? It's pretty good. Pretty good. So mm -hmm. the other thing we did this weekend, Eric and I, along with other, a couple other gentlemen, was... Other gentlemen. Other gentlemen. We went uh, and celebrated my uh, the last remnants of my bachelorhood, quote-unquote. We, we went to a comic book store. <laughs> we, we went to a bowling alley and played arcade games. <laughs> and we ate in a lot of meat. That's yeah. That's about. Well, that's, don't forget. Don't forget we that we drank a lot of beer, or at oh, least I watched you. You watched drink a lot of beer. All of us, yeah, drink beer. And you got and you watched me drink a little bit of scotch. Yeah, I drank a little bit of scotch myself. Yeah, and, just and a you little. Poured it out like it a was baby. Water. I had put two ice cubes in there. It was water. <laughs> Am I supposed to drink scotchy water? Yes. Ugh. People do. I don't like it. Colonel Ripper does. Colonel Ripper. Colonel Ripper. He likes the scotchy water? Yeah. It's, it's pure rainwater. It's fluids. It's vital fluids. Regardless. <laughs> you don't know what I'm saying. Don't worry about it. Don't We're talking about it. things. We are. But uh, we, uh, Eric uh, rented us a, a, a very big, fast car. That was... Uh, yeah, it, it did. It was fun. Uh, we I got to watch <laughs> Eric go crazy in the car. It was also fun. It was great. Yeah, that was, it was pretty fantastic. good. Fantastic. Never seen. I've only seen him drive his old man car. So when he drives a uh, young man balls testicles car, <laughs> the, balls testicles. <laughs> yep. It was it's penis car all, pe all weekend. Penis mobile. The penis mobile. Penis car. mobile. It's a charger. You guys, <laughs> pull back Dodge the veil. Charger. Dodge Charger. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. Uh, it's a good day, except for the headache. But the headache went away. Uh, it was good. Ate, I got to eat some brains. Yeah, we did. We ate some brains, some head cheese. We did. We ate head cheese and blood sausage and like blood... crazy people. Yeah. I. You're the I... only one that would even look at it. <laughs> I don't know. Those Mike and Eric are babies. Mike and Mike and other Eric, we other, might say. Other Eric. There's There are three Eric's in this wedding. In this wedding. In my wedding party, there's three Eric's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They just they just they just come at me. I can't help it. They just come to me. I draw them in. Mm -hmm. Eric's. I don't know how it happens. It was a good day. We did fun things. The best part everything was, was everything was tailored to you. It was. That's why I'm that's why I'm so complimentary <laughs> of it. My favorite part was us driving past the strip clubs to go to the arcade. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, that's good that's good tell, times. It tells you all what kind of what kind of man I am. I'd rather have awkward yeah. interactions with it's... old video games than with awkward interactions with the Mostly naked women. Mm hmm There's nothing wrong with mostly naked women, but it's better when it's honest. Yeah. I when, I, when money doesn't get involved in it, it's a little bit more fun. Yeah. I, I approve of I approve of that. Not so much of yeah. I, mm. I, I I I'm right there with you. There's something a little gross about it. But yeah, that was that was uh oh Saturday. It was all day. Long It was uh, a long day. A long day yeah. I I slept like a baby last night. You know what we didn't get to do? We didn't get to go wrestling. We didn't get to watch wrestling. That's unfortunate. That but was, we will, that we was, will make that it was up. the whole seed. That was the darling we had to kill. Yeah. Got canceled. Or someone killed it for us. Yeah. We will do, we, I'm, I'll be living in Orlando soon. So we can yeah. go see wrestling all we want. Sure we can. There, there will be lots of it. Uh, anything <laughs> else? Anything else you want to talk about? Her? 
No, I think that does it. I can I can talk more about Node.js and robots. You look like you really enjoyed that. Node.js and robots? Node. Oh, Node.js. I was like, what the hell is Node.js? But Node.js. Node, N-O-D-E, Node. Node? Node. Node. Yes. It's like the Noid, but it's a Node. Don't touch that Noid. Yes. Avoid him. Don't. You got to avoid him. Avoid the Node. I plan on it. The node. <laughs> uh, so I think that's it for checking in, guys. We can move right on over. Just move, just shift like forty-five degrees. Eric just made a, a gesture, so it's, it's good for shifting. radio. It shifting, shifting gesture and shifting noise. Noise. I did not catch the noise. Uh, but it's fine. <laughs> it's time for a nerd boy it, book club. I, I can see it. I can see it in there. Okay, it's great. just barely. In there. Just barely in there. Uh, it's nerd, barely in there. Nerd Boy Book Club is part show where I will sec- assign a longer collected work, and we will read it and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. We are in the middle, in the midst, uh, ankle deep in our preacher retrospective. We're in the middle of it. We're going to do this in three episodes. We're in the middle one. Right now we're doing – and right now Preachers, Volume 4 through 6, uh, depending on what collection you're reading. We just went with the old trades because they were uh, uh, readily available. Uh, mm-hmm. some the uh they collect most let's see the saint of killers the arse face the uh the good old boys which is jody and um jody and tc tc's then cassidy nothing good about either of them no and cassidy and uh hair stars all of their specials which delve into their backgrounds and then the actual solid the the, the main storyline issues 27 through 40 uh, I had not, I, I had never, I had not read any of the specials before. Cause I had no idea when I originally read this, I had no idea what order they were in. So I just avoided them. I figured they weren't essential. And they really aren't essential, but they do certainly fill in a lot of background th- stuff that's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would talk mainly about the Saint of Killers, how good that is. And yes, the Saint of Killers is thoroughly enjoyable just because yes. it's about, yes it is. It's about the Saint of Killers. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty damned amazing. It's a very and, incredibly interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. That's putting it mildly. It's also, I think, um, I mean, I like Steve Dillon for what he is, but this is, this is a, uh, this is an amazing artist that does this Santa Killers arc and is, um, oddly enough pulled off of it, uh, in the middle of the story for an issue. Steve, Steve Pugh? I want to say. I, I don't know. That's, I guess. That's P-U-G-H. So I don't, that's the, he's, the, he does the, uh, see the first, does he do the, how many issues does he do? He does the first two. And then Carlos Escara does three. Does he do four as well? I cannot, I don't think so. I think Pew does the fourth one, right? Mm. Yeah. See, Pew does the fourth. So that's, it is a little odd that there's just suddenly issue three is a different artist, but you know, I don't know. It's probably scheduling related, I imagine. I, I I would imagine so. Yes. Um, is the Saint Killers your favorite of the specials? Easily. Okay. Yeah. I mean, although all of them really provide a lot of interesting backstory and just make these characters more interesting, uh, the Arseface one in particular is really like almost hard to read. It's uh, really heartbreaking. Yeah, There's crazy. so much of it that I can relate to. I mean, he would be several years older than I am, but, uh, 
I mean, my dad's not like a psychotic abuser like this dude, but I can still relate to a lot of what he's going through in this. It's, um, (coughs) it, it, it really twists me up inside to read it. It's really good. It's really quite good. It is. But this same, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, thematically, they're a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like they don't because they're telling such this, these characters are so disparate in very certain ways. Like our face is like it. That's the and I think that's the thing that stands out about his special is that it's so very earnest and kind of sad, and yet his character in the main storylines are is a punchline for a lot of it. It's very I it, I don't know. It's and that and then the same like it's like the Saint of Killers one is different than that, and the Cassidy one is different than that. Like some of them are played for for laughs. Like the Cassidy one in particular is is like, "Hey, look at these dumb vampire." <laughs> so stupid. I I I feel very similarly. I met. Um, did I ever tell you about the Vampire the Masquerade? Um, yes, you did. LARP you group that you I met. You mentioned it briefly. I think they kicked you out or something, or they did not kick me out. They were super nice people. Oh, okay. They they wanted me to join, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to slander them too much because they were very incredibly nice people. Uh, but they were not too far removed from from this. <laughs> they were like this, except they realized it was pretend. Well, that's good. Uh. And I, I, my favorite, I really do enjoy the Saint of Killers. I, I, I don't know. I think I liked Stars the most, actually. Star is an incredible character. And I, I really like him and I hate that he's the butt of so many jokes. Yeah, that's, and I think that's my main problem with all of these. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, tonally they're not consistent with Preacher proper. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and it's not that they're, neither of them are bad. Like preacher itself is is good, and the, the specials are all really good. But the fact that this art both and those stand out to me that Star and Arseface both stand out to me is that they're both very incredibly earnest, serious looks at their backgrounds. And yet, mm-hmm. when you get to the preacher proper storylines, the main issues they're both like punchlines. They're both kind of jokes. Yeah. When they have interesting stories that are told in these one issue, like these specials, you're like, why isn't this carried over? Why don't they maintain that tone? I, I mean, I understand certain, like, it's kind of, I don't know why. It seems strange that Garth Ennis is varied. Like, he went and told these specials and went like, oh, I'm going to make this very serious and sad with Arseface. And then go back to the main story and like, hey, here's a long storyline about him becoming a pop star. And no one understanding what he says. And I and I, I don't know. It, it And multiple times the story, like, it broaches that line between are they like actually celebrating him or are they just making fun of him and it's hard to say where they are sometimes mm-hmm. uh, do you i don't does it hurt the series as a whole that these specials exist i don't like i didn't read these specials and i didn't think about then but when you paint it in this way it just feels out of place i don't think it hurts the series as a whole because i think they 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 come at it with a a sense of real emotion you know, you, you, you do, they, they work in ways that the real series, particularly later on, mm-hmm. does not work. Like, I, I really don't like all the things that happen to Star later on. Like, he gets, like, he, he gets his penis bitten off by a dog mm-hmm. for 
I don't know why. All I can think of is it's because Garth Ennis thinks it's really funny to torment the villain. Like, I don't think it's funny or interesting at all. And having shocking things happen for no reason is, I don't know, it doesn't really work for me. But, like, this story about him, it's, I could see a comic just like that about that character. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a series about that. This series about Santa Killers, I could see a series just about that. Mm-hmm. I could see even, I could even see a short, uh, um, like maybe a trade length story, uh, about, about Arse Face as a kid or yeah. a similar kind of tale. They're all told really well. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's sort of beyond this stuff that I feel like it starts to break down. You know, like I think that right here in, in War in the Sun, I, I, I don't enjoy it as much. It's not a terrible story, but I don't understand why he's going to get kidnapped. Why it's Star, he gets kidnapped by, I don't know, inbred Cannib- hillbillies. Cannibals. Yeah, inbred cannibal hillbillies. It does, and they yeah, eat his leg. It's very out of place. It just yes. seems kind of random. I, I that I, and the other special I want to mention the the one with uh, Jody in TC. That mm-hmm. one was a complete outlier to me. I do not understand it's, it. Yeah, it is a complete outlier, and I appreciate it more. I think uh, rereading it now, um, just because it's just supposed to be just a stupid tall tale about these guys. And it's got all these tropes thrown in from like bad eighties movies. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's the thing to me. Like it's, it's a joke. Like the whole mm-hmm. thing is a joke, but mm-hmm. it, I, I, I've seen, I've read preacher up to this point. I, I, there's no one that's likable in this. Yeah. No, I don't like, I certainly don't like Jody or TC or any of the, the, the you know, any of, uh, Jesse's quote unquote family, any of the family, the, both the, all the new characters are terrible. Like they're, they are mm-hmm. jokes clearly like, Hey, look, this is complete stereotype. And like, I, again, this is like that entire thing. is just like, here's Garth Ennis thinks things are funny. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like, and, and like we already said, like all the other ones are mostly very earnest. And even Cassidy's is funny, but it, you, at this point, at that point, you still kind of like Cassidy. And you can get behind him at least hating these idiot of vampire club, whatever you want to call it, whatever they call themselves, whatever something of the blood, uh, the children uh, of the blood, the children of the blood, do song, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, but I, it just feels very odd to me that they put this out, you know, with the, the all with Jody and them dead. Like I, I don't know. It feels strange. Like they, why don't they have a story just about Tulip? They do. Do they? But it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, in, uh, in, uh, Dixie Fried basically starts with it. There is a story about when Tulip ties. Oh, well, I mean, like a special about Tulip or yeah. something. Like, cause I don't know. That's, that's, I, that's, I, think I, I, point. I mean, I do agree with you. And I think given the climate when these came out and the, uh, <clears throat> The much more exclusively male readership of this and it would, it would be nowadays we would be surprised to see this book and see Tulip such a flat character and not expect. I mean, I think 
that either Ennis was responding to some criticism or recognized it himself that she was very flat and uninteresting and is basically in there as a plot device and, you know, created that issue to give her some background, give her some flavor, um, show a little bit about her past and who she is and, you know, why she's a, a crack shot that, you know, missed shooting the guy <laughs> in the first issue like she had never shot before. And apparently she's amazing assassin girl now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that was thrown in, but it's not what you're saying. There's no reason that there shouldn't have been a tulip issue when so much of the rest of this is about Jesse and then all these other characters, including Arse face have had their own backup. So I, is there anything else in the specials you want to talk about? I kind of want to drill down on the Saint of Killer story. Okay, we can do that. A little bit more because I I just love it so, so much. I mean, he's talked about how he's looked at Preacher in and of itself as, as a Western. And this is, this is real classic Western, you know, mm-hmm. and that it's like, it's a tall tale. It's just all, I mean, and, you know, the whole thing is set up that way the whole introductory um exposition which i think is just really nice really cool really effective yeah it really how he throws he throws um movie characters in there well he he makes it a way you can relate to it yeah did you did you notice that uh did you notice uh in the second box there did you see the one name that he threw in which one it's about in the middle it's his first name is charlie is on this page if oh, that helps. Char- Charlie, good night. No, okay. No, I did not even notice that. No. Yeah, I am literally related to the person he's alluding to. <laughs> so that is he is a great uncle of mine. So Eric's in preacher, guys. Sort of, but not really. <laughs> Charlie, good night is. No, he's a uh, he is like he works in preacher so well because of, he is that the the. Uh, paradigm of the western hero the invincible the invincible gunslinger yeah the hero quote unquote yeah he's not a hero he's a monster but that's the thing like he's a unstoppable killer in life and then he literally becomes that in death and this and the the kind of it plays within that those stereotypes of un like inevitable tragedy and uh and decisions you know that are also feel like fate they are they feel like they're destined to happen and we find that you know that god himself is has pulled the strings for all this which is even like an a statement on that on the 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 uh the use of that kind of trope in fate and destiny in westerns and i that that they explore it kind of garth ennis uses that to his advantage in in creating the saint of killers he's he because he pulls on all those movie heroes and in legends and myths from the from our American West, like it it builds that image in your brain. You don't even have it does the work for him, but it doesn't feel it feels it doesn't feel lazy or anything. It feels really at place because I think the use of myth is this is this again. Preacher is about myth and and mm-hmm. history and power and all that. It's really told in an interesting way, like a really weird sort of in medias res that it sort of. You know, it, it begins with the weird frame story, mm-hmm. but 
I guess it serves to show, you know, that he's like a real Catholic saint to sort of understand why he's called Saint of Killers, mm-hmm. you know, and it shows it basically begins with him failing his mission and then goes back to show why the mission's important to him, which I think is very effective, but an incredibly like strange way to set up the story. Well, it's like literally is like a with that frame narrative, I think it's supposed to build again that mythic, that legend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's the like the obtuseness of the storytelling per- is purposeful. Like it is supposed to feel like a story told by someone to someone to someone about this guy. And so there's like it's a game of telephone mm-hmm. and, and the way that, you know, uh, you know, the storytelling is passing passing on from people yeah person to person there's a there's an aspect of well i heard he killed 50 men and Mm -hmm. i heard he killed a hundred men and that sort of shit there's a there's a a feeling of sort of that to Mm -hmm. it absolutely um but you kind of have no option given what we know about him in the story to just be like yeah i i believe all that and then he shot satan in the head (laughs) yeah what, what, whatever happened about whatever happened to all the uh, red horns? Did, did what? Do we know? Did, <laughs> Hell's in a precarious position; doesn't have a leader anymore. I guess so. Maybe, uh, maybe the angel took it over. Angel of death. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the kingdom of the dead. Lots of player references. Butcher, angel of death. Wow, of really death. bringing it back. Yeah, I guess that's the other motif. Slayer. Yep. Yep. Would have never have ever thought I'd see a comic where Satan gets his brains blown out. <laughs> it was just just jarring. Like what the? It's, it's it further enforces like look at this guy. Don't fuck with him. So buttons. I you know what I want to talk about, Eric. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Cassidy. We should definitely talk about Cassidy because this is. I think this is really. They've started to tease. Cassidy's darker side, but this is really when we start to we start to see more the full shape of it. It's hard to take. What do you mean? I don't know. I I it it feels like it's by design, mm-hmm. but you I mean it. I guess you're. It feels like you're Jesse in a in a certain way. Like you feel yeah. like you betrayed by him, just like Jesse should. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? I mean, Cassidy. Yes, he seems sketchy at times. But a lot of it is just the nature of him being a vampire and, you know, him being around so long. And then he just kind of turns into a complete scumbag. And I don't if it's I don't know if it's it feels a little incongruous to me. Hmm. I, I mean, it's just just the turn of just being like suddenly, yes, he's in love with Tulip. And then suddenly, oh yes, I will get her addicted to drugs and take advantage of her. It just felt like maybe too much too fast. I mean, it certainly maybe does. So. It certainly does feed into like the be- feeling of betrayal, like you feel like mm-hmm. Jesse feels. But I don't. I feel like it's almost cartoonishly evil. Like it's, it's that. Right. I, I think it's that's a, my a, problem with it. It's a pretty quick fall, admittedly. Um, in that they're setting it up in Dixie fried to where I don't think that it's interesting. And I think it's a fair cop 
But I mean, they, they, they set up in, in Dixie Fried all the people that just revile him. Right. And it, most of the story, I don't know if I'm necessarily coming to the defense of the consistency of it, but I, I think, um, I think there's a lot we can say about this. So I guess I'm just sort of thinking, getting my thoughts out in the open. He was not necessarily set up as, um, a particularly good guy or a guy that um, values a lot of human life. He values the people that he values and he yeah. thinks of, he thinks very highly of them. And he also has had his own lots and lots and lots of his own problems with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Certainly an alcoholic. Um, believe he was a heroin addict for many years. To me, it feels sort of natural. Like I, I, it, uh, it, um, I, I, I mean, I agree with you that it is a lot awful fast, but it's, um, this is, this is the second act. This is the fall. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it fits in, um, God, I'm just trying to think, well, what, what, how, in what way doesn't it fit other than, I mean, you say it feels like almost like mustache twirly evil. Yeah, that's my, like, and you're right, in the Dixie Fried, like, that first where he goes to Tulip and says, I love you, and I, you know, all, you know, and, and he kind of is dwelling there in the background, and that kind of tension is there the whole time about him loving her, you know, and, and being friends with Jesse, and that's always there, mm-hmm. and that I can buy, like, I can buy that perfectly, all right, like, yeah, that's, it seems, it seems like that's a, a character progression that doesn't feel forced. And, but then it gets to the point where, like, he's, and he, and he does, he tries to be very heroic in the, in War in the Sun. Like, he does, Mm -hmm. like, like, risking his life, literally. Like, the only thing that can kill him is the sun. And he is, goes out in it to try and help, uh, Jesse and Tulip fight off Mm -hmm. Star and their forces and army and all that. And then, I mean, and, and tries to grab Jesse. And the only thing that makes him drop Jesse is Jesse, using the word of God on him. Right. And then Jesse is ostensibly dead to them. They don't know any different. They they absolutely think he's dead. Yeah, he fell out of an airplane uh right before they dropped an atomic bomb. It's uh probably they there's no reason to believe him alive. Mm-hmm. It's just at that point he just is like suddenly Tulip is a drug addict. Like that is I think that is half of it is the is my also my pro- like She's shown to be like that. She's shown to be so capable. Like, like you had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, like, oh yes, Ennis is like probably like, oh, I should probably do something with her. And like, her, she's like manning fifty cow machine guns on uh, the mm-hmm. on, on on like, like the, a uh, like hum- a pro on, on a Humvee and literally mowing down fields of men oh, yeah. and yes. and like she's saving uh, all of them against the the vampire cult and all that and. She just, yeah, like people are coming at her knife. She just blows their head off, and like you know, she's very confident. She does the whole bit with you know handcuffing Jesse and showing them that she's he. She doesn't. She really dislikes that he doesn't trust her, and then they even kind of settle the fact that he is kind of growing into trusting her, allowing her to play with the boys using her own analogy. And then suddenly he's dead, and suddenly it's oh well now I'm a drug addict. I have to drink and take pills. And then Cassidy is, you know, suddenly, oh, well, she's on an addict and I love her. And so boop, I'm going to take advantage of her, her, yeah. uh, her, her, uh, her addictions. And it's just like, mm-hmm. 
it, so it sounds less it like feels like a, a summit like it's a very gut mm-hmm. it it delivers on that gut punch you're like oh this is really bad but i never felt like him if jesse died sure obviously she'd be upset and distraught but it feels like there'd be more anger like it feels like she would want revenge on yes these people not not i'm gonna dwell in depression Mm -hmm. and get and resort to drugs and then cassidy's there as the other half of this terrible equation like i am just suddenly like basically a rapist like it's (laughs) i it never felt like yes i felt like he's a sketchy sometimes he makes bad decisions and hurts people i don't think he it feels like it lacks nuance in both of their parts. I don't think in terms of it, – it fits my understanding of Cassidy pretty well. Uh, I think you've made a very compelling argument that given what we know about Tulip, this is very uh, – yeah, this, this, is, um, this is weak. This is too weak for Tulip that she would – lose her mind and go off and seek revenge and and do all these things and not just fall to pieces. It is kind of absurd when you paint it in that light, but I don't doubt it for a second that Cassidy's the kind of person, even not trying to be evil because just drugs and abuse are his lifestyle because it doesn't mean shit to him. You know, he can just do it all he wants and he's fine. And that, he would take advantage of someone like that because he says he's in love with her, but I think that he kind of doesn't care about Tulip the way he cares about Jesse, that it's just sort of an infatuation and he's lying to himself and it's just what, it's just a dark thing he would do. It feels, I don't know, it feels very much, I don't know if this is me putting it on this or not, it just feels like you have, like, there's no lack of antagonists in this world. Like, God himself is the villain, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot you can do with that. It feels very much like them naming the first Batman and Superman movie Batman vs. Superman. It's like, hey, we have a lot of protagonists. Let's just have them fight each- I don't know. I'd never like that. I don't mm-hmm. like it in stories when you have... You have, like, you spend a whole bunch of time with these guys and you watch them become friends or brothers or whatever you want to, whatever kind of, uh, nomenclature you want to call it. It's, and then, oh, well, you know, let's just have them fight. Let's have them not be friends anymore. I think it, 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 it's really, um, to me, it's very interesting conflict just simply because I do think the whole broiness of preacher is one of the more charming things about it. It's one of the, you, you really, like you said, you really, you see things through Jesse's eyes and you're endeared to Cassidy despite his faults, just because you see how much they care about each other. And I think pitting them against each other, I don't know. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel cheap to me. Um, and I, I don't know. I feel like all the, the punch in the gut is, I mean, obviously it's very intentional. So mm-hmm. I'm, what, what, uh, what about it doesn't feel right? I don't know. It just doesn't feel natural. It feels like maybe it's just you don't get enough time with Cassidy. Mm-hmm. I, I just need more. Like I, I, we've never been overtly shown anything that he's done that is this skeevy. 
like, yes, he's been a, a gross dude from time to time in the stuff we've seen, but it's never nothing like this. And it's like, and even like when we first meet him, he is trying to get revenge for his girlfriend. Basically is, you know, she, she was a, a, a heroin addict as well, but he's getting revenge mm-hmm. because he's getting revenge on the, the two guys, the drug dealers who were mm-hmm. dealing to her. And it, I, I don't know. It seems, I don't know. It just feels weird to me. It doesn't feel natural. I, it's hard to, for me to explain it, I guess. I, I, I well, think part, I, I think part of it is I don't like that trope. I don't like it when, it, when there's plenty of antagonists around and suddenly we are introduced to, Hey, these guys now fight. I'm like, well, that's not is the interesting part of their relationship to me is seeing them fight each other or them being at odds with each other. That does not interest me in, in this kind of story where literally a man is trying to bring God to justice. He is dealing with the saint of killers, you know, a literal man who cannot be killed, who murders people without mercy with a gigantic uh, religious organization that is pulling the strings throughout history. Like there's all these larger than life ideals. And then suddenly the villain is not, you know, it's not God. It is not uh star and the grail. It is not, it's the villain is uh, drug abuse or it just, I, maybe that's the, it, that it feels that the, like, Hey, look, this guy's bad. Like a vampire dude. Like you think he's a good guy and then he's not. And like, that just seems so like in this big giant world, it, I, it's not what I want out of it, I guess. Well, one of the things about Preacher is there's really none, no one's a good guy. Yeah, it's true. That, that's, was kind of, um, Ennis's thesis behind the whole series is that Genesis is a new idea that, that the universe has always been looked at in unmixed black and white. And that Genesis was the mixing of, angel and devil and is this whole new idea this whole paradigm but really everything in the story echoes this this whole moral ambiguity and like jesse is not i mean we we in our discussion last week jesse we agreed is not a good person no i don't think he's a good person at all i mean and i think it just follows that Cassidy's not either. He's just his bro. You know? They're all very complicated people. And the people that I, I know a guy that's like, that reminds me a lot of Cassidy. I met him many years after reading Preacher the first couple of times. I may not have read it since, I might, I might have read it since meeting him. Mm-hmm. But th- for some reason, I am reminded of him a lot. Uh, in this read through and I would not, uh, I would not necessarily leave him alone in a situation like this with someone that I loved. Uh, just, I don't know. There's, and he's someone that I would consider a friend. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as, as that unusual. And it fits with, to me, it fits with what I see as the overall shape of the story. It fits with my understanding of the character and my understanding of well, similar people. Let me Go ask. Ahead. Let me ask you a question, Eric, because I just I just saw this quote again, and I think it's really it actually speaks to this well. Do you? Let me ask you. Do you think Cassidy is evil? 
he has um he has the capacity for evil but pretty much like all the characters in this story he is um Cassidy's chaotic neutral yeah that's that cuz i just i ran into the quote again of the Xavier the voodoo priest mm-hmm. and he says his thoughts on Cassidy it's i honestly don't believe he's an evil man just careless yes. and thoughtless and terribly terribly weak mm-hmm. and i i agree with that sentiment Mm-hmm. I just, it's hard, I don't know, it's hard to parse where that line is. I guess, and that's what this book is exploring, mm-hmm. about the line between... For you, for you, he is clearly way, way, way over the line. I. It feels like it. It feels like he crossed the line into, I can't mm-hmm. root for this guy anymore. Like, even, like, I know Jesse's not a good person, but I mm-hmm. still think that I'm, I root for him. Like, I still want him to succeed, because I yes. think, like, he's driven and incredibly interesting and you know his will is 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 in his his sense of justice that he's pursuing is is very interesting i think kind of makes you like him and want him to succeed even though he's not a good person it just feels like i i'm not sure if ennis is you think ennis is intentionally making that cassidy is not a, a villain you want is it is cassidy supposed to be the villain for this segment probably okay because this this basically all the villains in this are portrayed as inept yeah star is portrayed as inept when he in in the fight versus Jesse Custer um the saint of killers can't beat him um Jesse's terrified of him obviously but you know Jesse could have potentially told him to blow his head off and uh oh, that's the end of the saying of killers. Um, Jesse I, is like all powerful in this. I mean, he could. It it never it never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, in the story, but he could conceivably confront God and tell God whatever he wanted to do. You know, just you you have to do this. He's all powerful, and there he has yeah. no competition. So I feel like. They do need the additional conflict of Jesse versus Cassidy and, you know, the dream team has to break up. It does, it does, I think, I do agree with you in that it does affect the way that I feel about like War and the Sun and about all the books past it. It, um, it makes me uncomfortable about the books because really ultimately the first three and probably this fourth one with the Saint of Killer story are my favorite bits of Preacher mm-hmm. because they are, they're exactly what you're describing. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's the good times and it's the things that you, that you originally came to this story about because it's about these got this guy's friendship and this crazy quest to take down God and hold him accountable and here to fit with an overall, um, shape of the story it has to shift radically to actually insert some conflict because I, I it seems like it would be kind of empty of that without this what would what would it um what would that story have looked like to you sort of at that forking point if would, this was not there if I, if this was if this was not cassidy versus jesse and Tulip, like if this was like you described, Tulip uh, going off on her revenge mission uh, for Jesse. Yeah, it's 
frankly, it the only thing I see, like, clearly you could still include Jesse coming back and them mm-hmm. meeting up and all that stuff happening. And then it just feels like it just serves to make the story longer. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it's it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's, I, I don't know, it doesn't feel like the natural place. I would, I maybe, I mean, a lot of it is personal taste, I'm sure. But I mm-hmm. feel like that that is a more interesting story to me, seeing... Tulip go on a re- quest for revenge other than not just <laughs> lapsing into addiction, which we haven't yeah. seen from her before. That is now certainly not uh, her bit. I agree with you completely that it is a contrivance. It is like a plot device to have her become this incredibly weak person and just be like, I'm so sad. My boyfriend is dead you know and she's like i'm going to do drugs and and fuck his best friend because he kind of smells like him i i mean i it's it's that is the the part that requires the most suspense of disbelief that's that's i agree with you that that does not work but it fits completely it fits completely with my understanding of Cassidy's character. I don't doubt that for a moment. Yeah, I that's I think the not necessarily like I think that the that gray area of Cassidy's morality is malleable to me. But mm-hmm. when you when you include Tulip on all of it, it just oh, yeah, absolutely. seems too much. I I could not agree more and I think that it it stems from the whole the whole sort of non character nature of tulip in in this story like she's very underdeveloped um and just it's just it's terribly sadly so and i think that it is unfair to her that this does happen (laughs) yeah and especially is in 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 the in like it's after they have the whole like plot point that she is not gonna allow that to happen Mm-hmm. And it just seems like it's perpetually like about I don't know like can you actually have a comic about Jesse's problems with letting trusting you know Tulip to be a part of his team so to speak and not just be on the sidelines while the whole story literally does that like that Ennis ends yes. up writing her as the, like it you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't paint it like oh this we're actually trying to confront these issues when you do the exact opposite thing when you get to a point in the story when you could literally do that. I'm having some cat issues over here. Yeah, it's, uh... She's finally laid down. She's been swatting that tail around. Mm-hmm. She does that. <sighs> what else do you want to talk about, Eric? It's a pretty good discussion. We Yeah. A lot more discussion than I thought we were going to have. It was really good. Um... Jesse doesn't do much actually in this in these chapters. No. He he is um he's kind of dull in this. It's pretty much this is pretty much a big segment about everyone but him and then Jesse has a fall, a betrayal. Yeah. Just to remind us that he's still the main character and wakes up with a spaceman and one less eye. Yeah. For some reason. Yep. All revealed in the next issue of Preacher. <laughs> same preacher time same preacher same channel preacher channel mm-hmm. yeah. so 
Call it a day? We can call it. Okay. Calling it. Calling it. So, that was uh, Preacher's Volume 4 through 6. Next week, we are finishing up Preacher, doing 7, 8, 9, basically 40, issues 41 through 66, including the Preacher special, Tall in the Saddle. But we're finishing it all off. We're done with it. Put it in the rearview mirror. So, yeah. In the new editions, it's volumes 5 and 6, if you are buying those. I don't know. I, those are not always, it seems, available either. So, who knows where you can get these things. <laughs> Comic books. Let's reprint them and then not make them available anywhere. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, folks. That, uh, I think we can end it. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find everything there. You can find us on uh, iTunes, of course. Podcatchers of choice. If you don't like it, uh, like don't don't like Apple. Uh, we're we're all those places. We're on Stitcher, etc., etc. If you like us, please rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate that. Uh, it gets more eyes on the podcast. So we're fans of that. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Handsome Comics Hour. You can like us, let's see, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at HBC Hour. Tweet at us there. Tweet us your, the names of Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer's child. We want a more, I need a boy and a girl name. Cause we don't know I what like, the second. I, I like Perseus. Perseus is a good name. Um, mm. you can email us, handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Mixmaster Cheryl. It's M-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Woo! Woo! Eric, where can they find you online? I'm not going to, I'm not going to woo all my stuff at anyone. <laughs> I'm going to be a little more, a little more calm, a little more gentlemanly. You can, uh, see my portfolio by going to Eric. No, you can't. It's freewillunlimited.com. Don't even know my own friggin' websites. <laughs> My portfolio is at freewillunlimited.com, not ericzgoodnight.com, which shows most of the other things I get up to online, including my Tumblr and my Pinterest accounts. And while you're at it, you can tweet at me. My Twitter handle is Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R, Bad Example. Yeah, Eric's Pinterest is all about Pantera, so it's a Pinterest. It's like Pantera bread, right? Yep, exactly. The person, the person that reminds me of Cassidy, also makes that Pantera bread joke. Oh my god! I need to stop. So now. you're not original. I need to stop. Actually, that's not my joke in the first place. Anyway, I, I, I know. I, I, I know heard it's it, not. I heard it from somebody else. Yeah, I know who you heard it from. I know. Keep that. I know her. You know her. Uh oh. We, now it's a, less of a secret. Yep, less of a secret. Less of a mystery. Uh, All but these with that, we're talking about that are real people. <laughs> with that, we'll call it a day. Rock and roll. <laughs>